so far in Movie Night Automata, we've traversed the rainstroke streets of Blade Runner, talked about grief with After Yang, gotten stuck in a box with Ex Machina, and gotten the human race back to Earth with Wally. We're now going to talk about one of the most iconic space movies of all time, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Kubrick's 1968 landmark achievement. Still, in 2023, 55 years after 2001 came out, references to Kubrick's highly impressive and technical film are still ubiquitous. Just this year, Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie opened with a homage to 2001. Wally was also filled with references to 2001. Stanley Kubrick worked with the fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke, whose short story The Sentinel formed the basis of the monolith idea of 2001. In the 1960s, two important films, the National Film Board of Canada's Universe and the World's Fair 1964 to the World and Beyond, had been produced to try to show an early realistic vision of what space travel could eventually look like. Out of the study of hundreds of thousands of observations, astronomers have pieced together an accurate picture of the universe. Universe had inspired many people working at NASA, especially. Arthur C. Clarke, although British, had many contacts at NASA, and in fact, the NASA website still honors him for the predictions of the future he made in his science fiction. So Kubrick and Clarke had access to many engineers and scientists we could show them the most realistic way to depict space travel. For the control room of the Discovery, they actually built a centrifuge. I mean, this thing was bigger than a house. But what better way to simulate the revolving centrifuge of a spaceship than to build one full size and revolve it, you know, <laughs> and learn 360 degrees. And it's masterful. 2001 came just four years after another one of Kubrick's most iconic films. Dr. Strangelove, or how I stopped worrying and learned to love the bomb. During the making of Dr. Strangelove, Kubrick had been able to create a B-52 so realistic, he claims just from his research on planes and recreations from film crew people who had been in the military, that the US government had actually interrogated him on how he was able to depict the planes. In 2001, he took designs from NASA's ideas about the space station they were already attempting to work on. He also hired Graphics Film Corporation, which had been doing propaganda for the aerospace industry including NASA and the U.S. Air Force. 2001 is also what Kubrick referred to as mostly a nonverbal experience. There is obviously dialogue, especially during the scenes with Dave, played by Kier Julia, and Douglas Rain's HAL 9000. Do you read me, HAL? Hello, HAL, do you read me? Hello, HAL, do you read me? Do you read me, HAL? But largely, much of the two and a half hours of 2001's runtime is a nonverbal experience. The research that Clark and Kubrick undertook even went as far as consulting the astronomer Carl Sagan on what extraterrestrial life might look like. Sagan claims that he suggested that the superhuman intelligence just be suggested rather than shown as character. The experience of the monoliths, which combine machine and extraterrestrial intelligence, is something almost sacred and holy, like a religious experience rather than the typical alien encounter. What is transmitted to the humans, first as eight of years later through the monolith, is information rather than speech. The monolith could be interpreted as what we consider God, a visitation from extraterrestrial forces to spur man to their advanced purpose. 
gifted us with the type of intelligence that allows us to use tools in advanced civilization and the creation of artificial intelligence, our own smaller version of that playing with fire. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I am a HAL 9000 computer. I became operational at the HAL plant in Urbana, Illinois on the 12th of January, 1992. The moment when apes learn to use a bone tool and are gifted with the ability to overcome their rivals feels almost biblical in execution. Kubrick then transitions the story thousands of years, drawing a direct connection between the first tool and satellites as a tool for space travel. Overall, what Kubrick is trying to portray in this sweeping space epic is man's relationship with the universe, something that mere words, dialogue, or even symbolic representation has a hard time pulling into a coherent and accurate mode. Talking about man's relationship with the universe, as we all have at length, I'm sure, doesn't do it justice. There are levels to the intelligence of 2001, with human intelligence as part of the pyramid. Machine intelligence, as HAL 9000's determination to complete his objective with or without human compliance can attest, not necessarily capable of grasping the big picture either. The superhuman, extraterrestrial intelligence represented by the monolith is something wholly other. Kubrick's epic space opera sees the connections between the life cycle of man and the formation, vision, and constant expansion of the universe. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. Jay Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Gives Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks. This Barbie is streaming on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Twitter, Instagram, at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. Ray Bonna is a Twitch partner, a Young Turks contributor, a disability rights advocate, and the co-host of Taking the L. Jerry Casale is the co-founder and co-lead vocalist of Devo, as well as several other projects, including the EP The Invisible Man, which dropped last year, and Jihad Jerry and the Evildoers. Devo is on its final tour and celebrating Celebrating 50 years of Devo. I, of course, am your host, the Forest 9000 unit. I promise not to do anything crazy and kill the whole crew. <laughs> Don't make mm. promises you can't keep. Jerry Casale, welcome back to the show, man. It's good to see you. Hello. Hi. You've been a busy spud. It's good to have you. <laughs> Ravana, it's always good to have you as well. Now, yeah. is, is my understanding that this is 
you had never seen 2001? I had never seen it. This was my first time watching it, and I viewed it as Stanley Kubrick intended it to be seen uh, on my iPhone with a cracked screen and water damage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, Fantastic. Loved I loved it. I'm so excited to talk about it. Fantastic. That's uh, that's what gave Kubrick his final heart attack. He was like, he got he got a vision from the future that Ray Vano was going to watch Fogger 2001 on an iPhone, and he's like, right. <laughs> his worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, uh, I believe you saw this when it came out, right? Or oh, somewhere I, near it. Yes, I'm. I am a senior citizen. I was. Uh, <laughs> I was the right age for this movie, and uh, we uh, we smoked some hash, <laughs> and we went to see it at the best possible theater you could see anything at at the time. You know, with the biggest screen highest resolution possible. And of course, I I was a believer. I totally you know, drank the Kool-Aid. I was there. I, I had forgotten, this is I think like fourth time that, that I've seen it in preparation for the show. I'd forgotten that there was an intermission. And, I for, and how nice is that to have an intermission? Intermission, right? yeah. 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 Could use that on the, the Batman movie, thank, frankly. <laughs> and not like one of those fake intermissions. And and not like one of those uh fake intermissions where they're doing it like as a as a bit or something, like a real like a real no. solid, like you could go yeah. out and like run out and have a smoke real quick kind of intermission. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they were. I'm sure there's plenty of people smoking. <laughs> yeah, I I think the first time I ever saw any parts of this movie, mm -hmm. I was twelve years old <laughs> and I had turn a classic movie on. And I woke up. It was like three o'clock in the morning, and I'm and the movie was like halfway, like somewhere, like and I'm watching, it and I'm like, "This is a weird movie." Can I like start at the beginning? <laughs> that didn't help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then you're like, "Is this the same movie?" Yes. <laughs> Jerry, go ahead. Well, uh, weird. Yeah, it's weird. Did you know Kubrick from before 2001? Were you a Kubrick fan before? Oh, yeah. this came out. Of course. Yeah. yeah. My God! Because uh, Strange Love was a few years before. I yeah. couldn't get enough of that. Yeah, you enforce both. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> Strange Love uh, that came out right after the assassination of JFK. Right. But I mean, the world had turned into a Black Mirror episode for anyone who was halfway conscious. So I was 15, and I had seen the footage of JFK getting assassination assassinated played over and over and over all weekend on network tv with walter cronkite and then i'm you know growing up in a hideous situation of blue-collared catholicism and being forced to go to church on sunday and i'm waiting to go to church and they have the television on and i see lee harvey oswald being assassinated by jack ruby live on tv when i'm 15 three days later. So I grew up in interesting times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it's important to remember, too, with this film that, um, I mean, we all kind of give deference to Kubrick as one of the greats for filmmaking, but this is the OG space epic. I mean, this this is, there is any movie that has to do with space is going to be compared or contrasted against 2001. Go space <laughs> well there's one thing you yeah, can I say mean, about one of the next one of the next big ones is obviously star wars right like 
Star yeah. Wars comes in like, you know, like a decade later. And so like even like George Lucas has to give like the full deference to like, oh, no, 2001 is where like a lot of these ideas originated. Right. But what was great about Kubrick is this was not a silly man making silly movies. This is this is deep stuff. And he could go from one genre to the next and blow everybody away. So it was like, okay, I'm going to make a movie that takes place in outer space, but that's not even the point. And yes, it's science fiction, but it's going to start with the big word science. Fiction is the least of it. So he studied the science. And Kubrick, what I love about him is he had a dark view of human nature, just like Devo does. (laughs) And not without reason. And that theme plays throughout all of his movies, regardless of the genre. It deals with the dark side of human nature and the purple sense of evil that all too often triumphs. And so Hal was was just AI gone nuts. Way back then, think about it, 1968 and these brilliant. And it's brilliant. That movie is timeless because he was a smart guy and the subject matter is more important than the genre. It's not about funny weapons and, you know, weird costumes. Yeah. It was, yeah. Well, he was he was working with uh, Arthur C. Clarke, who right. his like uh, his message about artificial intelligence that it still gets played like. Um, you know, there's uh, some goofy billionaires that have gone around warning about AI where the first thing that they recommend is like Arthur C. Clarke's, uh, yes. you know, his, his famous TV interview with uh, Walter Cronkite, I believe. Where he's telling him like, yeah. you know, about the danger of uh, creating artificial intelligence. And like that yeah. message is still resonating, you know, all these years later, like 50 something years later. Right. Like, well, all the smart people knew this a long time ago. It's, it's like reading Huxley or Orwell. It's like they're. Their fiction could be now looked at as a primer, not as a almost <laughs> like like something right. to be taught, right? Uh, not 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 as a cautionary tale or science fiction. It's like, oh, this is an instruction manual. Manual. Here's right. where this, we. Are. This is just how it is, <laughs> and, that, and that's where we are today. That's exactly where we are, and we're about to see the shit hit the fan in a way that nobody could even predict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's notable too that he worked with R.C. C. Clark. So there's like a short story, right? That he they got the uh, the original idea from that uh, basically is the they, they find the, the the Sentinel, which is basically they find an obelisk, but it's a pyramid, and then the pyramid didn't photograph well. Kubrick's like, this is this isn't gonna work. So they made it they made it the monolith as we know it, but mm-hmm. it was basically just because it didn't look good on film. Which to be clear, and I think no one, even even the detractors of this movie, which do exist, will ever say. It looks amazing. Everything about this movie looks amazing. The special effects that are what fifty-five years old—they look great. It doesn't look dated. I can yeah, see movies from so two much years of it ago is done and it with looks dated. Miniature work. Yeah, yes. yeah. Practical effects. And, and uh, so much of it is so much of it is done with uh, with like literal miniatures that they had people actually like. Sure. You can watch videos of them actually painting, like uh, you know, the Discovery. You can watch them actually painting all these different, um, like you know, things that in the movie look like they're actually like in space, but it really is just really fucking detailed miniature work. Yeah, he was never trendy, never. <laughs> well, and, and 
holds up to the test of time. I, and uh, you can tell even from the taglines, right? Like the original tagline was an adventure 65 million years in the making. Because you start off and you have like, you know, the ape man discovering tools. And which, of course, controversial, I'm sure, at the time where like the religious yeah. right, you know, <laughs> probably didn't mm-hmm. care for that too much. And yeah. then you get that that amazing reveal of it turning into the, the satellite. Yeah. But it's not just a space epic. It's really about humanity and uh, the, the ability to change and uh, to well, grow. Especially, especially on Hash, you thought <laughs> you understood what the monolith was. You know, you thought you understood yeah. that one because you'd encountered that monolith when you were super high. You know, get a test. <laughs> Fair. Well, oh, and, and, it's a transmutation of, of of information, right? Like it's information being uh, sent through years, which is something that when you're high, I feel like is something that like resonates with your like, like wow, like yeah. this information oh. feels like it just you know it was like smoked into my into my head. Like <laughs> you're tapping into the higher brain. You're tapping into pure consciousness. Which is that yeah. monolith is about confronting pure consciousness as opposed to the uh, hideous kind of compromise of human nature, whereas there's this, you know, higher brain fighting with the amygdala, which right. is, you know, the monkey fear based primate that's, you know, a, a combination of all the seven cardinal sins and fighting the higher level of consciousness all the time and there was the monolith and it's like yep i know the monolith yeah that's where we should be but we're not <laughs> no yeah not we're at the all, unfortunately. but i mean but i mean <laughs> there's also you know the double the double uh ending where if you touch the monolith at the wrong time or you encounter the monolith at the wrong time you're basically sucked into it and trapped into it and while you're attempting to get that information that you know the apes got thousands of years ago you're being studied as a human being by the alien yeah. life forms you know what i mean like that's like that's the, what he was basically going for in the end and so it's huh. like this double thing of if, if you want that information or you want that uh, you know, that consciousness handed to you in a way that, you know, you're not ready for or in a way where you're just discovering it and are kind of, um, I mean, not not in the end, but like, you know, if you're kind of uh, a little bit um, arrogant about it or something, right? Like you, you don't deserve that information and you get studied instead of, you know, being the one that receives that. Like, it's not just a tool. It's a, Oh, yeah. and that's the duality of human nature. And that is always the center of all the moralizing of every fundamentalist religion as well. Uh, about not being, you're not ready, right? You don't want to meet God because you're not ready. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I think it's so, it's such a bold. Um, so this is, I found, oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's a bold ending. I, I just, like I it just uh, we can we, we can end that sentence yeah. right there. It's a really bold. Yeah. Like it's because it's expressive for a huge <laughs> film like this to have it just be like let's leave the audience have to figure out what the hell is going on. You know, amazing. Like what a what a strong decision. What, so what this is Kubrick explaining the ending, and I, I think he's explaining the ending because it's uh it's on Japanese TV. So I, I think he doesn't oh. expect that you know that it's going to be seen by it. Nobody's like, gonna a large, a large enough audience. Yeah, oh, no one will ever <laughs> see this, right? Certainly not on some internet show about movies with the guy. Yeah, great. Are we gonna see that? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think people love you know films, especially 
travel, uh, super, uh, I'm sorry, uh, space travel 2001. Yeah. And, um, but people are wondering that uh, what is the meaning of last chain? Um, you know, the old man were, you know, lying on the bed in, uh, in, in a very old style house. <laughs> and uh, could you give us well, an answer? I, I tried to avoid doing this ever since the picture came out because when you uh, when you uh, just say ideas, they sound uh, foolish. Whereas if they're dramatized, I won't feel it. But I'll try. I mean, the idea was supposed to be that um, he is uh, taken in by uh, uh, godlike. Entities, uh, creatures of pure uh, energy and intelligence with no shape or form. And um, they uh, put him uh, in what I suppose you could describe as a human and uh, to study him. And he spends his whole life passes from that point on in that room and he has no sense of time. Um, it just seems to happen as it does in the film. And um, they choose this room, which is. Uh, a very uh, inaccurate uh, replica of uh, French architecture, mm -hmm. deliberately so inaccurate, because, uh, you know, one was suggesting that they had some idea of something that he might think was pretty, but um, weren't quite sure, just as we aren't quite sure what to do in zoos with, with animals, mm -hmm. to uh, try to give them what we think is their natural... Uh, when they get finished with them, as happens in so many uh, myths of all cultures in the world, he is transformed into some kind of super being yeah. and sent back to um, Earth, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, transformed and, and made, um, you know, into some sort of superman, yeah. uh, and we, not, we have to only guess what happens when he goes back. Yeah. Um, it is uh, a pattern of a great deal of mythology, mm. and that was what we were trying to do. <laughs> Interior design wasn't the alien's forte, says Stevie in the comments. Thank you, Stevie. <laughs> uh, that's wild. I've never heard him just explicitly lay it bare like that. Again, never imagining that it would ever go beyond that single conversation to the audience at that time, of course. But... I, so that said, yeah, and, and it's a, it's an interview over a over like a phone on a landline too. Like it's like, like right, right I mean? yeah, like yeah, exactly. Hearing it over the uh, yeah, <laughs> fidelity far uh, less than this show even. And, and it, well, and it's but it's incredible to me because if you think of, if you know the backstory of like how Arthur C. Clarke and Kubrick sort of workshopped it together, and the idea being that the film would be I forget how they phrased it, but it'd be Kubrick with like uh, they they were going to do like Lennon McCartney. Right, they were gonna do bill, dual billet, but it was gonna be for the movie Kubrick first and Arthur C. Clarke second, and then for the book, the novelization be Arthur C. Clarke first and Kubrick second, and then Arthur C. Clarke actually did write sequels. There's 2010, which they made a perfectly okay movie on. Uh, there's 2061 and 3001 as well, which I can only characterize as hard sci-fi, which is to say for dudes. And almost exclusively dudes, <laughs> and far more inscrutable and like enjoyable. Like I like that stuff. Don't get me wrong, but like it doesn't. I think one of the things that makes this movie so fantastic 
is that it transcends that hard sci-fi tag. Like it, it allows you to kind of just like wonder and dream a little bit. Like, so it's all in that way. We've talked about this with David Lynch, right? That sometimes it's better not to know. It's not, it's like, even if he has some idea of what it is, like what you come up with is probably better. <laughs> more point leave it ambiguous like let it be up to the viewer to figure out like what really happened because i mean if you end up really like spoiling the ending it kind of ruins like you know the imagination that you had right well that depends on what kind of movie viewer you are yeah right? uh by the way dan doctor in the, in the well, comments, apparently... imagine a world where devo worked with kubrick how about that jerry how, how, how would that <laughs> <Yeah. have> been <laughs> well <laughs> i i think kubrick would have been uh uh you know somewhat hospitable to the idea of de-evolution. But uh, that funny, that phone call, he sounds hopeful. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I, yeah. I mean, he's as, as such a moody kind of um, perfectionist, uh, clini clinical sort of filmmaker, right? And I say that as a fan, like he's just like mm -hmm. so austere and so just, uh, you know, everything is like so perfectly assembled that, and from all reports, sounds like everybody was happy to be making great art, but maybe not the best guy to be around all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's it's uh, it's kind of fascinating that he and uh, Peter Sellers before this had made um, both Lolita and then um, you know Doctor Strange Love because yeah, they're yeah. both famously incredibly fucking difficult personalities like peter sellers like <laughs> yes. a wildly yes. even more fucking difficult person and you can hear in that um in that phone interview right like uh kubrick's voice like it's the same voice that peter sellers did impeccably um for the president in dr strange right. he like just copied kubrick's voice right. and that's almost mm -hmm. I, feel, I feel like that's almost like a, a way awesome. of like fucking with him because like, it's that like uh, you sure. know the president in that in in dr strange love is just so um ineffectual right like he's based on adelaide stevenson who was thought by a lot of people to uh you know have a have a queer side i guess like that was like the thing thrown at him by like nixon you know what i mean when he was trying to run against eisenhower those two times oh. so like to, mm -hmm. to have like uh, kubrick's voice and then adelaide stevenson's features is kind of like a i feel like it's a huge <laughs> fuck you to to stanley kubrick who is also you know one of the most legitimately disappointed like or legitimately um uh, difficult personalities of anybody ever i mean it, it is also really funny that like uh you know he died days after stopping working with fucking tom cruise and like i feel like tom cruise and nicole kidman uh demoralized oh, him into an early death. yeah 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 imagine that being your last movie as a great director though eyes wide well, shut he, he finished editing it he finished, he, he, yeah. finished, he finished editing it and then two days later had a heart attack in bed like <laughs> Scientology killed Stanley Kubrick. We're making that that right, right. Yeah, exactly. that, we're, we're saying yeah. it now, folks. Okay, it's not it's not conspiracy. It, it actually happened. Here come the comments. All right, <laughs> they've been uh, they've been distracting everyone with like like uh, Shelly Shelly whatever her name like you know what I mean like they're like where where is she because they don't want they don't want you to know that they actually killed Kubrick. That was who actually <laughs> died from Scientology. Probably. <laughs> Well, okay, so I think that there's there's a lot. So there's Kubrick as like the celebrity and the auteur, right? Like they they, they like one of the first um, auteurs. <laughs> I do not want to imagine Peter Sellers telling that. If it'd be very probably good, probably good. Uh, <laughs> Peter Sellers doing another the Kubrick impression. <laughs> no, but he's doing I, the doing the and he's like, <laughs> I am hell nine thousand. <laughs> 
I think that it's a uh, no, absolutely we can't not go away. I think that it's notable that that uh, he kind of got that reputation early on, right? Like as sort of like oh he's difficult, but like no, it, it was because that was like the rise of like the director as an artist. You know, like really, when when you stop and think about, it, and there's like you know, then you know comes the French New Wave, and and um, you get like Baganovich and like that whole like new school and whatnot. But it, it was he kind of almost like took took the punch <laughs> to a certain degree. It's like no, he just cares about what comes out. He's not just in this like okay, you're assigned this movie, but go make this feature. You know, like it's, it's not like yeah. that kind of thing. Well, at least that, that's how I look at it. I would be interested in hearing what Jerry what you have to say as someone who's actually. Well, no, I mean, we all know the articles and the books uh, written by people that worked with him, and authors that have uh, done, you know, research and digging deep on him, with his interpersonal relationships, the people that were working for him as production designers and this and that. Uh, all he cared about was this movie, like. He yeah. sacrificed all other relationships for the sake of these movies. He was not, he's like Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. He's not a fun guy, you know? Right. And he bummed a lot of people out. And, um, and, he, and he actually turned his back on people that worked their asses off for him. Um, mm. Because where he, I, I where, think also whatever the, the, was the, he didn't even appreciate their the, the, what their contributions were, really. Right. Yeah, I, I think the I think the idea that he was difficult though um, came after a lot of people felt like he went way too far with Shelley Duvall during the filming of uh, The Shining, and she kind of yeah. you know kind of went into her like downward spiral after that. And I think like the you know him being difficult wasn't like a big deal in the press or anything like that until it was like, all right, well, I think maybe you've tortured this woman into insanity. Well, um, I'm not gonna do a well actually thing, but like, even though Shelley Duvall has kind of been reclusive and whatnot, she got interviewed by two, uh, I think they're like a couple, who had their own YouTube channel. And she was like, you know, despite all that, he was, you know, a really serious director. He really took his craft work um, very seriously. And, you know, he really wanted to get, you know, the perfect movie out. And, you know, he might've been a son of a bitch to work for, but, you know, in the end, look look at the performances that he got out of, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson and myself. So. I'm glad you bring that up, yeah. Christina, because I was, I, since we were off topic enough to talk about that, I was going to actually bring up that like, yeah, that's actually been sort of, it, it, with again applying modern sensibilities to uh directorial uh choices made long ago it, it, it kind of became a trope and then it's like well yeah why don't you talk to the person who's actually there right <laughs> and see what yeah. she has to say about it and she was like well, yeah it was kind of you know i mean it does seem like he crossed the line there in sure the some, but she had like a decade of like, like uh, great work that he would frown upon i think he was sadistic towards her and i think it was probably sexist yeah what i think who the hell remembers a director yeah. for being a nice guy yeah. you know what they say zack snyder is a great guy yeah <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say when she's talked about it like uh, his treatment of jack nicholson was like extreme like extremely good and then his treatment of her was extremely bad uh yeah. you know on, yeah. on set for that but I, but i'm just but also, I'm just saying, like, the, the idea of him as a difficult personality, right? Like, that's when it really came to the fore. I, I think before that, even if he was a difficult personality to work for, um, that those stories wouldn't have necessarily been highlighted the way that they were. Like, until you cross the line, right? Everyone has something to say once you cross the line. But uh, up until that point, you know, like, the, the media really had no interest in, in, 
you know, an, analyzing that necessarily. Well, that does look like he had something. He was he he was he had it in for her. That's what I yeah. for whatever yeah. reason, which is yeah. weird. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Ravana, I'm fascinated by the fact that you never saw saw this. Yeah, like, this is this is incredible. So Jerry, like he she's never seen this, and like <laughs> and and we love Ravana. She comes on the show, and. I just what what's your take? Obviously, it's culturally ubiquitous. It's been referenced so many yeah. times. Other television I mean, homage, satire, right? So that was what Forrest and I talked about. And I, someone in the chat mentioned David Lynch. I want to give myself a mental notice to circle back to that thought. Obviously, David Lynch is my favorite filmmaker, um, and I have some thoughts and some comparisons on some takeaways from that. Jerry's got some actual David Lynch stories, so we'll, we'll, we'll come oh, back that to that. Is- but finish, finish, finish your piece. Yeah, yeah. I love um, David. I love David. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, you know, Forrest and I, he, because I said I'd never seen the movie and he, he mentioned, you know, the iconic opening sequence. And I was like, well, of course I've seen that. I've seen it referenced in pop culture. Um, and I had never realized how, you know, obviously I knew how fundamental it was to the film, but I didn't realize how important it was to the themes of the film, the reoccurring, you know, ideas of rebirth. Um, also the in reference to Nietzsche in the music that is being yes. played. I had no idea. And, and of course the, you know, the, the concepts that come with that of rebirth, you know, of, of, uh, the, uh, Ubermensch of, um, the, the, uh, activities of man and then the, the nature of man as well. Um, which, you know, n- having that knowledge going through the film, you know, I think it, it was fantastic. Obviously, for my takeaway, I loved the film. I would definitely rewatch it. But what I was going to say in reference to David Lynch is when I watch, uh, you know, the, the same sort of idea of like after the film, I didn't necessarily know exactly what I had just seen. It left me with an air of mystery and confusion. But it wasn't the same type of confusion that I would feel after watching something like Mulholland Drive or, uh, you know, or even watching parts of, um, uh, oh, my God, why can't I remember the name of the show? Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Thank you. Um, It wasn't like a a frustration. It wasn't. I just had to sit in the emotions that the end of space odyssey made me feel and i just had to feel them for a while before because you know after they watching uh mulholland drive for me the first time i saw it i was like okay let me get online and figure out what the fuck i just saw i know that i liked (laughs) it but i either need to re-watch the movie from the beginning or get some insight as to what the film just told me whereas you know after watching this i didn't necessarily have the net that in same level of <laughs> frustration i was just like let me just sit and think about this for a minute and feel the emotions that you know the scenery and uh, you know this the sequence uh, that i have the end of the film the uh advanced baby <laughs> all of that made me feel and then I'll I'll like start to read into well, interpretations i would have thought that you would think the film was boring no, <laughs> you underestimate her. But... She, you underestimate Ravana. She for for Ravana is usually when we bring her on, she's usually like the first time viewer for like a lot of films that we have covered. Right, on <laughs> yes, and she hates horror movies, so like. <laughs> so this show makes her watch them. Uh, but I mean, content. these long takes with no edits. 
Yeah. That is, just seems to be totally unacceptable to a young audience. That is, yeah, it's fascinating, right? Because, like, sometimes the idea of sitting down and watching a movie to me is like, oh, an hour and a half, how could I do that? But people of my generation are also like, four-hour YouTube video? Okay, let's watch yeah, let's the do whole it. thing. Um, but Look no, at I that mean, drive my hour YouTube video. Right? That was a big deal. Four-hour YouTube video about another person discussing another person's YouTube video. Like, right. they're like I'm, I'm into that, but but don't ask but don't ask me to sit down and, like, uh, you know, actually watch it. You can't it. be watching it <laughs> for three hours. It was, and it's also a movie that is so not dialogue driven, right? Right, it's hardly a, any dialogue at all. Right, it's such a minor part of the film, and there is right. the you know contrasting of the minute details that are being right. put into the technological advancements versus the sort of banal conversations that do happen when they're taking place, right? Yeah. Surface level, you know, happy birthday, or <laughs> it's your birthday, congratulations, or like. You know, even the there wasn't necessarily a sense of urgency when they were talking about how they needed to do something about how it was all sort of, you know, not exciting dialogue. But I don't know. I never got a sense of like I was very drawn in from the first like yeah. opening yeah. sequence to the end of the film. It, it it was so important that it wasn't driven by the dialogue. I felt like. But I, I understand that. there. I think there are a lot of people who, you know, in my generation nowadays, it would be hard for them to get through right. that kind of film, which is, you know, I think detriment <laughs> to a lot well, of people. Because that form it. of art has changed, right? Like it, yeah. we, we expect things to be delivered quickly now. Uh, we have mm. we have to get right from point A to point B, and I and I say that as someone I'm the first one to, to be like this could have been tightened up. <laughs> this, <laughs> you can you know, watch this... all is shameless on TikTok right now if you wanted to instead okay. of watching the whole You're thing right, on right. Netflix. All right, two but minutes I, at a time. I think there's a hilarious <laughs> concept here where a millennial takes 2001 and re-edits it. <laughs> for just, TikTok, just the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, just the parts where people speak for a half hour. Yeah. You know what's they, funny uh, about that? They explain it. They explain we... it one of those one of those AI generators, and then the AI generator has to give uh, their their <laughs> take on two thousand one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well how it how seems like a good a guy shot. that was fed hey. up to work. I do the comedy on this show, Dan. But thank you. Why do we have this long <laughs> shot of space and Saturn? Like, get rid of that. Yeah, yeah. who needs it's, that? It's funny because every year, you know, there's always a debate about Die Hard being a Christmas movie. And everyone's like, well, you can actually okay. take out all references about Christmas. And I'm like, okay, but you got like a 10 minute long movie then because they're seeing there's dialogue, there's mo there's it. Yeah. I'm like, come on, seriously, you cannot just get rid of all the aspects of Die Hard and, and not expect this still be a Christmas movie. Like, let's be real here. I do like the idea of someone using AI to uh, tighten up 2001. <laughs> <laughs> AI make Hal win, and that's the end of the film. Yeah, <laughs> or, or the or the AI is kind of doing. Well, when I was in high school, we'd, we'd get Cliff's notes to like cheat on exams that we didn't yeah. want to yeah. Yeah. book, and we still get happens. Cliff's notes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this would be the Cliff's notes of two thousand. <laughs> 
<laughs> this guy yeah. doesn't care about his birthday, something about the pod bay doors, you know. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just still think it's interesting how this film is so referenced. Like, obviously, the most recent one would be Barbie. And I remember, like, watching, yeah. you know, people like Ben Shapiro be like, well, how can children relate to Kubrick? That makes no sense. They're not going to understand this reference. I'm like, the theme song is probably the most iconic theme song ever used in the history. I mean, I think they used it for Elvis Presley when he did his Aloha yeah, Hawaii sure. special. Like, it's yeah. used every time something big and great fantastic is being introduced. So how can you not find that relatable and not even like know it like they might not know it's from 2001 a space odyssey but they know that <laughs> but they know it's from the spongebob movie yes yes <laughs> exactly a little bit of devo there for you yeah <laughs> that idea is uh interesting also because like i've been watching like kubrick movies since i was a kid like i think i've watched 2001 15 times now like that's that's probably the amount of times i've wow. watched I, wow. I think i've watched dr strangelove like even more than that and uh oh yeah as a kid like i don't know how much i've like related to uh you know like the story but like i remember being horrified uh you know as a kid that like wasn't necessarily totally cognizant of everything going on um by the scene where he turns how off and i'm like that seems like an overreaction as a like which it doesn't that was an adult but like as a kid i was like that's so sad like he, the he's he's making the fucking uh you know the ai like sing to him the song that yeah. you know which really was the first song when a computer was first made at like a plant that really was they, right. they programmed it to be able to sing daisy and it's like and and you know so i was like just fascinated by this movie and then horrified by that one scene and it's like stayed with me to the point where like uh you know watching it i think i watched it three times this year um and then the year before that i think i watched it five times like wow. i i've watched this movie a shitload of times um well i was gonna do a podcast episode for my last job and then ended up leaving the job uh wow. two days work. <laughs> yeah two days before we were gonna do the podcast episode so i watched it I could never watch it that many times. It's so deep and demanding. That's it's hardcore. Well, I mean, it's, I can, it's fifteen times over, uh, you know, twenty nine years. Like, like no, my dad was really into it every day. But um, <laughs> but I think that's inter- no, because that brings up a point I meant to bring about ten minutes ago is the fact that like this would be a horrible movie to do a double feature with for anything because yeah. it requires yeah. so much contemplation. It requires, yeah, you know, like. Whatever other movie you see, you'd be like, I think I saw another movie too. I don't know. Space I don't know Jam. why I did that. Two thousand one in Space Jam, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, one, the one movie I think that tries <laughs> to uh, achieve uh, similar things and om- like kind of almost succeeds, but doesn't really. Uh, Interstellar, I think, does a good job. I think Christopher yeah, Nolan yeah, yeah. Uh, doing his kind of own version of, and he he really was deferential to uh, 2001, like because we we did our episode on that, and like a lot of the clips yeah. is like, no, I was trying to do a 2001 Space Odyssey, like, and it's about the only time that that, in my opinion, works because I think when people yeah. try to do a Kubrick imitation, I usually despise it, and yeah. I I think I think Nolan, well, that and the Barbie movie. I think Nolan does a lot of things, and some of them are laudable, and some of them are, uh, you know, I, I get where people are annoyed by it. I still remember that um, <laughs> a review about Interstellar that Anne Hathaway fi- finds a new planet to overact on. I thought that was a little harsh, but, <laughs> but I remembered the review. I don't necessarily agree with that. I laughed. That was when we were starting to hate her for some reason because <laughs> we like because she won the Oscar for Les Mis and she overreacted like Sally Field did. So. Yeah. Oh, I so, thought it was I, because we were transitioning to a pro James Franco podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but but okay, right, calm down, everyone. But but Wait, I think one of the reasons why is because like Christopher Nolan do Memento. Did he? Do yes, that? yes, yes, that was one of his first films, which we've covered. Yeah, that I one. liked him then. I liked him yeah. then. 
And then he Same. kept doing Memento. It's kind of like <laughs> if, if, if Kubrick was U2, then uh, Nolan was Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you, you could make, savage, you could make Jerry. The, you, could, you could make the joke that he was mementoed. He just keeps forgetting that this is the same film he's making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Peter Stellar and Oppenheimer are the other two that I really like that he's done. I don't necessarily. Okay. I mean, yeah. I'm also not that a man. Hold, hold on, because I'm going to finish my point. Uh, is that like I think Interstellar is one of the ex uh, the exceptions that prove that rule that it definitely evokes 2001 and Kubrick, mm -hmm. uh, but it is a there's a slightly different take in it, and it has the sweeping sense of scale and uh, grandeur. That a lot of these uh, movies don't pull off, where it's it's like, oh yeah, cool. This is just people in space, though. This is just people in space, like doing a, a heist movie or doing <laughs> or doing whatever. Whereas yeah. I think Interstellar actually, and and I will say, first time I saw Interstellar, I did not feel that way. I was like, oh, he's doing a two thousand one, huh? I kind of felt that way too. And then I and then I watched it again, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Actually, there's more depth here than I think I originally. Yeah, got it's credit. better on the rewatch. Uh, that yeah. one. Which I, I would like say 2001 is movies too. Are. Yes. Yeah, I mean, anything with any depth. I remember the first time just, I saw uh, 2001. Just don't get trapped. Just don't get trapped forgetting you saw it and then watching Interstellar <laughs> every day for the rest of your life, you know? <laughs> well, and, and guess what? Kubrick had a great sense of humor, by the way. Which Chris Nolan does not. Yeah. <laughs> he takes himself way too seriously. That's no. like, I'm like, relax, Chris. I mean, relax. All the way back, right? Like, uh, Dr. Yeah. Strange, like, no fighting in the war room. Yeah, you can't find here at the war room. <laughs> Amazing. I think that so David Lynch was invoked sometime back. Uh, Jerry, can can you mention like like the whole Ronnie Rocket thing? Because I think oh, that's yeah. incredible. We talked about that when you were a Protonic one of the times. I think I think yeah, it's, it's 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 one of the greatest movies never made. Um, he um, he had just you know enjoyed huge cult success with with uh, Eraserhead. And um, and we were big fans, and we had watched Eraserhead in, in 1977 in San Francisco at some art movie house, left there and gone to see, um, oh my God, what did we see right after this? It was insanity. Um, okay, the, the Italian film made by the gay director that ended up getting assassinated uh it's got the name it's it's the name of a city in northern italy on laga de garda i think we were just talking about this uh with a future guest uh, that that uh, i mentioned it's unbelievable film unbelievable because it's just this root i right? talking about uh, uh, uh pasolini pasolini uh, thank you yeah okay how did i get that wow so in one night we saw a racer <laughs> And then we walk across the street, we see that. And that's just a ruthless, scathing dissection of, of hideous bourgeois hypocrisy and, and evil, like evil values and filth. And it's like, wow, we're, we're wasted. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and the guy we're with, uh, uh, you know, What's his name that, that did Search and Destroy? Um, v Vale, Vale. Oh, yeah, v, uh, yeah, yeah, v Vale, yeah. Search and Destroy and, and, and uh, research. That great zine, research, yeah, yeah, research. He knew somebody in L.A. that knew David Lynch, and he said, oh, you guys should meet David Lynch, and they hooked us up. So when we came 
down to mm -hmm. Los Angeles. I met David Lynch at Bob's Big Boy, where he would go on La Cienega Boulevard in Hollywood every day and have a burger and a milkshake. And uh, <laughs> we had a great long conversation, and he handed me a, a, a copy of a draft called Ronnie Rocket. And I went home and read Ronnie Rocket. And of course, was just blown away because what it was is imagine David Lynch, his expressionistic dark hell retelling of the Elvis story. It was basically <laughs> Elvis Presley from his point of view. The real Elvis Presley story. <laughs> oh, yeah. It sounds better than Priscilla. Yeah, <laughs> or Elvis. Well, it was so good, and it, and and you know what what it is is this this kid is basically almost killed in a fire, but these two uh, plastic surgeons who have been disbarred because of their uh, of, um, you know unsavory activities in in the medical world. They happen to live nearby and they rescue the kid and they and, and so everybody thinks the kid died in a fire, but basically they rehabilitate him. But he's it's David Lynch. He's hooked up to like wires and a box on his belly and right. they want to make him normal and they send him to school. And, you know, everybody thinks he's just an orphan and they make fun of him and beat him up. But. One day there's a band in the high school gym practicing for the prom and they're playing some popular music at the time. And they're very mean kids. It's like mean girls, but it's mean boys. And they, they see him in the hallway and they corral him and they make him get on stage, threaten to beat him up unless he sings. And of course, when he grabs the microphone, it does something with all the wires and the box in his belly and he goes nuts and he starts spasming and screaming and singing. And there's girls in the, in the uh, gymnasium practicing cheerleading. Right. And they go nuts for him. They think he's the greatest. <laughs> and so that's how it starts. And then these guys, these jocks won't let him not play with them. So every time they play, he's got to play but he's basically suffering and dying every time he's on stage and the girls are going nuts for him and nobody understands that what's really going on. And he, and he lives in horror. He lives in absolute pain. And then when he's off stage, you go into his fantasy world where he goes into the wizard of Oz and he meets with the good witch of the East and so David Lynch used all of these pieces later on. He nicked them, you know, he took them from here and there and he stuck them in films uh, with like Nicolas Cage uh, and, and Laura Dern. Wild at Heart. And, yeah. Wild, yeah, Wild at Heart. He's, he just took these things and, and he kind of, you know, trivialized them because, I mean, in this, in the Ronnie Rocket script, it was fucking amazing because in the end, the, the good witch of the East saves him from his 
temporal life of horror and takes him into the sky, you know, into, into eternity, basically. And, and, and that's in one side sense, he's dead in the other way you're, he's, he's relieved and it's a happy ending, you know, anyway. And, and he wanted to be, you got, he wanted you guys to be involved. in wanted us to do the music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, to, not to bury the lead. And nobody would give him any money for this. Yeah, nobody, wanted, nobody wanted to fund it, if you can imagine. Yeah, hard uh, to this believe. This is too David Lynch for you, David. <laughs> and, and then so suddenly, you know, to talk about 180, the next film he makes is is uh, Elephant Man. Or, as known to some, the Elephant Presley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it was the end of his life. He had a life of hard partying. You know, don't belabor the point. Yeah, which for for David Lynch's sensibilities was kind of was much more of a mainstream film than than a racer. I mean, how can you not be more mainstream film than a racer? I know. Jesus. But earlier when Christina and Rihanna were talking, I, I it was reminded me of uh, you mentioned the uh, reboot of um, of uh, Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did anyone see episode eight of that? Oh, yes. reboot? Oh, got yeah. a light. Got a light. <laughs> God of Light, if you didn't see any of the rest of David Lynch all your life, if yeah. you saw God of Light, that's as heavy as Stanley Kubrick. That's as good oh, yeah. as it gets. That is fucking amazing, and there's hardly any dialogue in the whole thing, yeah. except when that guy walks up to the car when they're all stuck on the road, and you know, in a 1955, the, 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 the husband and wife, in a 1955 Ford sedan, and he taps on the window, got a light. <laughs> yeah. And it goes from there to the A-bomb blast. <laughs> it has to be one of the most insane things ever allowed on but, television, cable but, or otherwise. <laughs> take that game it all makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that is Absolutely. That is the story of how the world turned upside down after nuclear fission. That's mm-hmm. what it is. And it tells it in an expressionistic way with no dialogue. And you totally get it. And you're horrified. It's yep. incredible. And 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 again, as as Christina mentioned too, like Game of Thrones, the 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 season that came out that where they ran out of source material and just exclusively made cocaine decisions and it was terrible. <laughs> like could not have been a starker contrast between right. Twin Peaks of the Return and Game of Thrones. Or, or, even just like that episode partic in particular, it's like it just goes to show how maybe constrained he was when the show was on prime time on, yeah. on network yeah. television that as well as the movie uh you know firewalk with me that entire season draft you know insane themes but drastically different than the sort of sanitized tv version but that episode is like this is <laughs> what this was supposed to be this is what the show was always meant to be and pushing those boundaries right and it's, yeah I mean, it's perfect i love it's it just like, hey what's filmmaking here it is folks right. David Lynch is a filmmaker, and this was about film. <laughs> That's the art of film right there, folks. Watch that. So uh, Sean Moon here. Uh, has so we, a, have a, we have a super chat. chat. Right? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, isolation, alienation, dehumanation, <laughs> uh, loneliness, the promise of the future versus the nightmarish reality of the future as represented in the film 2001. Any thoughts or am I guilty of projection? I mean, it, no. 
no. <laughs> <laughs> whatsoever. Like it's kind of it's kind of obvious that you know there there is like this nightmarish scenario that that could definitely happen, especially when it comes to AI. And what's funny about with artificial intelligence is that the guy who kind of invented AI has kind of in a way abandoned it because he is so terrified of what it has become because we've we have accelerated to the point where it's like now we got oppenheimer doing covers of barbie girl and we have like we have like share saying i oh, am my that, own person is that what is Why that what made him finally abandon it? songs i didn't hear is that either, what made him finally abandon it he's like he's like i'm backing away from this now that i saw oppenheimer uh you know cover barbie girl <laughs> but you just can't tell Too what's much. real what's not real anymore i mean you, you see ads on tiktok where people are like that's not gordon ramsay endorsing something from the food network that's something completely made up now well, you don't it's, it's hard to tell what's real what's not anymore because of how accelerated artificial intelligence has become and so it, it is a little nightmare that you know in a way was kind of you know foreseen by this movie right well, that's what we've been talking about all week all month Right, like with with the movie Night Armada is is like the evolution of how it's depicted in film. Yeah, and I mean it's it's been like a, a, an interesting evolution to see even in the past couple of years. You know, covering the news for a living, the inclination for people to immediately accuse something of being AI when they, uh, when they don't like, like it. covering <laughs> especially the, you know and we don't have to go into any detail on this, but covering what's going on in Palestine. I just got a long lengthy email from someone accusing me of editing footage or showing them AI generated footage like I'm because they couldn't really contend with the grotesque reality of the situation they immediately yep. had to accuse it of being AI and with all of the the fake AI uh media being generated like to some extent that's the point of it right is to make people not believe the truth when they see it now yeah and 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 guess what who who does that benefit oddly enough oh <laughs> yeah the tyrants and string pullers of the world that are, right. are <laughs> you know, presiding over all the horror and death, right? Because that's great. Keep the population confused and unable to deal with reality and mm -hmm. question that there are any facts at all. Hey, and you win, right? That's just yeah. an element of control. And, and it's working. It's working more than ever. And we're seeing it work. And you're going to see it in these 2024 elections, mm -hmm. and you're going to see the Supreme Court twist themselves into a pretzel and go against everything they supposedly believe, which is bullshit beliefs to begin with, with, with originalism and whatever. Right. Like, yeah. Now they're going to have to like, oh, no, we didn't mean that. Oh, no, we didn't mean that. It's, it's insanity. We're what do you mean, activist judge? What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, I'm a well, constitutionalist. And, and so, I mean, what are you talking about? They're not conservative. They are about. radical tyrants. They are yeah. maniacs. This, this is horror. This is pure. I mean, you, you saw, you saw Trump kind of. It. We're just getting into it. You saw from yeah. day one, right? Like Trump kind of jump in on the idea of like fake news and yes. just invoke fake news over and over and over again. And then, you know, yeah. it's kind of terrifying at the same time to watch as AIs become like more and more of a reality and deep fakes, like that charge of fake news has a whole other dimension to it now because, you know, it's like uh, trying to dismantle our institutions or whatever. Be like, well, the media lies. That must be fake news. They're making it up. Well, now literally anything you see, you could just be like, well, that's not real. That's, you know, that's just yeah. somebody made that well, on a computer. Obviously. Too, isn't it? It's kind of did AI start that or did or just just. Did this malfeasance and lying start that? Mm -hmm. Because 
Yeah. What the hell is artificial intelligence anyway? Humans are the essence of artificial intelligence because we never were in harmony with the rest of nature. We have right. suppressed the rest of nature. We have destroyed the rest of nature to survive and and prevail over the natural order. So, of course, our technology projects us. So we created AI and then pretend to be afraid of AI when we did it. Which, uh, yeah. which, make it which, worse. Brings, us, which brings us right back to 2001 and the, and, and the, the idea monster. of intelligence, intelligence being transmitted by these you know alien forces through the monolith right. and then the, the replication of that form of intelligence through you know the creation of something like hal 9000 and the deceit yeah. that goes into i mean literally what's motivating hal 9000 isn't his own uh breakdown it's deceit it's you know yeah you need to complete this mission by any means possible we give you permission to lie we give you permission to literally murder the crew if you have to you, you know any by any means necessary you need to getting shit and like not even not even registering that like these are human beings that you know that are, that are being killed in that. the process of this you need to get this ship to the monolith right yeah and it's interesting because you know there is that like uh the humans are saying that it, it's you know the artificial intelligence uh and uh, a mechanical error and hal is saying that it's a human error and like it's not incorrect it is human error that the, right. the hubris of man oh, like created AI made me device. do it Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, no, you made it do it. Like, yeah, on, we thought it was it. just Twinkies, but it's AI yeah. now. <laughs> People refuse to take responsibility for their own actions. That's part of the dark side of human nature. The mm -hmm. hypocrisy, the absolute disgusting hypocrisy. It's reaching levels that's unbelievable now, and you're and you're going to see it. It's it's hideous. Yeah, I think, I think that's in the movie earlier on too, though. Because if you look at like, okay, it was a monolith inspire like the eight men to do is to make tools to, to kill, kill each other, which which is which is yeah. definition of what we're talking about is exerting like control over the natural world, right? To on, on the basic degree of like the hunter predator system, kill you with a thigh bone. Right, exactly. Yeah, and then and then, but at each stage, you see a monolith. There's some kind of derivation of like, okay, well, you've made it this far. Can you now transcend that and do this, uh, so on and so on, until you get to the the final monolith, where you know you end up with a great big space baby. Well, yeah. Uh, What's singularity? Singularity is finally when you just go, hey, it isn't me doing it. Right. <laughs> well, and I think that it's it's easy well, to. Well, and there's something so. Uh, no, go ahead. Oh, oh no, I, was just, I think it's easy to uh, to dismiss as, oh, that's a bunch of freaky psychedelic stuff at the end. But the idea is that, okay, so he's reached this level of, of, of growth and transcendence that, congratulations, you're a baby. This is the beginning. This is not the end of the journey. This is the beginning of the journey. And when I was a kid, I was yeah. like, why is he a baby? What? Like, I didn't get it at all. And then I was like, oh, no, because it's like, mm. if you think about, like, from perspective of, of being, like, uh, an actual intelligent uh, uh, race of people, like, you've now transcended further than your race has ever gone and become something new, of which you are the smallest, most basic, infinitesimal, uh, unimportant part of that you have the ability now to grow beyond that. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. And babies are pure. <laughs> Babies yeah. are yeah. there is and their minds are like sponges too. A baby. And and we spend the rest of our life forgetting what we knew when we were born. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And, and, and so that's again, when we talk about uh, having watched this film many times over the years and like getting something different out of it each time, 
that's something that I really kind of laid into this time. I was like, oh, wow. So that's like, that's pretty heavy. And again, I read the hard sci-fi of the sequels that Arthur C. Clarke wrote, which are good. And it lays out even more explicitly. But what he doesn't have is like the the magic and the majesty of of allowing you just kind of like, oh, wow, that's crazy to think about, you know? Now, now did well, you ever read the uh, yeah, Jack Kirby uh, comic? Did I, did I, you're asking the Jack of 2001. Yes. Yeah, Jack Kirby did a, a uh, batshit Jack Kirby uh, 2001, like uh, in 1976, I think is when it started. And uh, it, it's it's basically Jack Kirby, like building on the ideas of the movie. Uh, okay. he, he didn't read the book. Um, and he goes in this really weird direction. If, if you ever want to know where Machine Man comes from, uh, you know, um, he, Jack Kirby created him in 2001 Space Odyssey. There he is. Yeah, it's gonna say <laughs> you got your wish, TV. Uh, okay, I have not read that. Yeah, uh, no, so it's, it's worth it if, if you. Um, but but, but what I want to say is there's something so uh, essentially Kubrickian about the idea of um, you know going back and forth uh, with the two, who like was it was it human error or was it machine error and that whole um, yeah. you know that whole back and forth that whole scene and the idea in Doctor Strange of of like the fail safes. And how um, right. automatically overrun all of the ideas of failsafes right. are, and there's right. so right. those contradictions are so essentially, uh, you know, of Stanley Kubrick, like his mind. <laughs> well, and, and it's, it's central conundrum oh. of being alive, of being us, of being this species, you know, till we meet again. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's. Peace. Bye. <laughs> well, and it's it's one of the reasons why uh, why this movie I think holds up as well as it does too, uh, is that it presents these ideas, but it does so without. I mean, there's a narrative here, obviously, but it's not. It's it's maybe one of the least explicitly spelled out films that Kubrick's done that I can think of. I mean, and I'm not saying he's an over explainer because he isn't, <laughs> but like I mean, this one is 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 again huge <laughs> sections where. It's just silent except for this classical music that is that is uh, maybe you know now has an association with the movie, but at the time was just like, what? You just have like an orchestra playing? Like what is going on here? Like why would you have? Oh. And now it's done all the time, and we just think of yeah. it as a naturalistic thing to do in film. I mean, yeah, yeah, in, from, I, uh, in '68 is my Looney, Looney friends. Tunes. Looney Tunes Okay, Forrest wants to talk about Looney Tunes. Jerry wants to talk about Hash. I'm sure we can be in the middle. So well, I'm just saying, right? I, I, you know, I was going. I, I have like a little bit of a lag on on everybody's name. So when I go to say something, I hear everyone else seconds oh. after. Uh, <laughs> I'm just but, but Looney Tunes and the Blue Danube as a as a theme, right? Like, oh sure, yeah, yeah. No, that that that, that makes sense. That makes sense for sure. Uh, and, and I think that I mean that had to be incredible, Jerry. To if you see in the theater where it's like. Again, was it uh, also Sprick Zarathustra, right? It's, it's like we think of that. That's the 2001 song now is what we think of that culturally. Right? Like, yeah, as I was saying, when, when it was over, my hippie friend said, it was heavy, man. <laughs> <laughs> and to their credit, it was, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's crazy that that... Again, even so, even if you watch it to stream now, it starts off pitch blackness and you hear this like rising sort of orchestral note to the point that like you're like, if you don't know what's going on, you'd be like, is this, did it not load? Like what's that happened to me when I watched it? I literally was wondering. 
<laughs> all I could see on my phone was like the the green streaks from the water damage, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> is my phone finally broken completely?" <laughs> There's I that. forgot you even mentioned you watch it on your cracked phone, and I forgot yeah. about it until right now. That's that's why I'm so glad that this that Greta Gerwig was inspired by 2001 for Barbie because like if you guys have HBO Max under Barbie there's a collection of all like most of the films that were that Gregor was yeah. inspired by and 2001 is number one yeah. under that list so I was like okay I'm, I'm saving this I'm gonna watch it later and I'm, I saw it twice <laughs> since I, I since I was available on max <laughs> that's one of the great homages yeah well, yeah it shouldn't be I I enjoyed the uncomfortable question that is posed by the film, which is what is next? Like, what is the next stage of, of human existence? Because, you know, it's something that most people don't consider right You know, I think especially, uh, you know, in a, you know, as we were talking about earlier in a time of instant gratification, that isn't a question that a lot of people even want to ponder. And, you know, it's not something they necessarily see as relevant. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting question to, to, to sit and consider, even if it's not necessarily something that, you know, is going to impact us in our lifetime. But, you know, the idea of what's the next step and, you know, how can we shape you might that be alive. You might still be here. <laughs> Maybe we, we might. I don't know. How Clearly what's going on is that, you know, okay, we're a biological mortal species and we've destroyed the environment that we live in. So we shit in our own backyards. But what we're going to do is download our intelligence, our Such as it form is. of consciousness into non-biological life forms mm. that are impervious to the destruction of the natural environment. That's what's going to happen. And it's happening at an exponential rate. And you may be around to really see it. <laughs> I'll say there was a one quote that was kind of off-putting to me that from, you know, a random interview that Jared Kushner did that I covered, uh, you know, for oh, the Young Turks. I think that guy's already an automaton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of automatons. Well, right. He's already AI. <laughs> he said that this is going to be the last generation to die. And considering the connections that- he has in that's what he said. It just left me like, consider. Yeah, like, what know. do you know? <laughs> He's already sharing, man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's honest. So I think Hillary said something similar too, which is just yeah. like unnerving that to right. hear that kind of stuff. Like, th- like, thanks. It makes us feel a lot better. <laughs> well, and I think these are some of the questions we've been asking uh, as we discuss all these automata movies, all these different artificial intelligence movies. And, and I think, uh, Ravana, speaking to your point about asking these larger questions, you can never have the time to ask these larger questions if you're a working person, if you're besought by mediocre misery and distraction, yeah. which is, of course, not an accident in any way, shape, or form. It's it's the plan, right? Mm-hmm. If you keep people busy with BS and keep them fighting amongst themselves, and they're never going to the be plan. able to ask... That's it. <laughs> They're never going to be able to ask the big questions. Right. That's, that's how, We leave that's that to people that's like the Jerry plan. That's the plan, Conan. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, the storm is coming. You know what I mean. We're all going to ascend after this episode. Anyway, I call yeah, it the F plan. You know, it's like World Wrestling Federation. Like there's yeah. a guy in the white suit with a cowboy hat, and there's a guy in a black suit with devil horns, and they get <laughs> half the crowd to love one of them, and half the crowd to love the other, and they all cheer, and it's all staged, and it's all bullshit, and it's all yeah. distraction, and meanwhile. The string pullers and the puppet masters laugh their ass off. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's what you see going on every day. 
in in terms of like downloading our consciousness though right like uh i think it was last year that this lawsuit came up that um fucking elon's company Neuralink, that is the one that mm -hmm. he's trying to actually download a chip into yeah. people's brain yeah. and they got fda yeah. approval after the story came out right 22 uh they, they put it into monkeys brains 22 different monkeys they all died the most painful possible deaths that you could yep. uh with like <laughs> serious uh they like, thought you know, obama like, was gonna uh, put a chip in us but they trust elon Musk to put a chip but, in them like right but elon actually elon actually did it's 22 monkeys they they all put it into the wrong parts of their brain, pretty much. You know, just stuck it, shoved it in there, and they they were pretty much you know left uh, left like screaming in pain in these fucking cages. They had to euthanize them, Why and then a couple surprised. days later, the notification was uh, FDA FDA approves Neuralink's uh, contract or whatever. I was like, after that fucking story, like right. I thought I thought the end of that was going to be, and they came up with the script for Rebel Moon by Zack Snyder. <laughs> Right. I there's, a, there's a song here 22 monkeys there's a song here <laughs> absolutely it's yes. interesting like you know as someone who you know is involved in the you know I'm, I'm disabled i'm involved with the disability community so i like pay attention to advancements in in uh you know medical quality of life improvements and there yeah. are uh, you know, nonprofit organizations and research institutions that are creating these types of, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't call them brain chips. They're not to check your, you know, for, for all the things that Elon Musk wants to do them tech for, for with their do with uh, this sort of thing, but to actually give people better access to, you know, uh, people who have, um, Per, severe paralysis to be able yeah. to, you know, have better access to their phones, to, you know, being able to consume media, uh, you know, just easier day-to-day -day life functions that are being, there's more advanced than where Neuralink is. They have been through actually <laughs> sound trials yeah. and testing. Well, there's that. Um, but oh, there's that. I, I'm sure they can take people that are disabled and through a series of implants and ectoskeleton move, uh, bits, they can make them ambulate again. They can make them yeah. walk yeah. Sure. and function. Yeah. No doubt it's about just, it. It's just interesting that Elon Musk. Do, do we no think Elon Musk is going to be that guy? I don't. No, he just <laughs> gets all the attention because, you know, he, he's not doing this for the betterment of man. He's doing this for, you yeah. know, his own financial. I mean, remember you know, whenever like, he, he released his own Android, he just hired a guy in a, in a spandex suit to dance. Amazing. Yeah. That, that was incredible. John Oliver you, made you fun watched, of that. That was so yeah, funny. Did you just watch the John Oliver episode? Where you, where you I reminded that. me. Yes. Yes. Have you seen that, Jerry, where like he's he's talking yeah. about this Android he's building? It's just oh, a dude Elon, in a retard. Elon Amazing. is a right wing psycho. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not even the yeah. guy, not even the creative guy behind Tesla. No, never no, was. No, he just buys shit. Like understand he just... what he is. Yeah. Understand what he is. And all these little tech fucks, all these yeah. little assholes yeah. where they have their trillionaires and billionaires, and they got the minds of like the worst 14 year old incel boys. This <laughs> <laughs> is bad, bad combination. <laughs> They're like emotionally stunted little fucking midgets. They're they can save the world, but they're not. They women, and they have these fucking fantasies of the worst kind. And that's what they're foisting upon the world because they have the money and power to do it. And people are buying this shit from these yeah. morons. These yeah, fucking yeah. who they need to be beat up on the playground. I would just like to punch some of these fucking <laughs> <laughs> guys. I mean, there no dude yeah. in them whatsoever. 
There's no. Yeah. There's a reason they call them uh, tech campuses, right? You could go up and go and fucking treat it like. Jerry a is indeed playground. through being cool Fuck about me. this. <laughs> 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 I did, like we talked about Ex Machina earlier in the month, right? And, and like the the Oscar Isaac character, and that is exactly that because and, and it's also like let's make. Let's make oh also let's make her hot too while we're at it. Yeah. You know, let's like make sex, let's make fan bots. <laughs> oh yeah. Which is just and, uh, and, and if yeah. you're asking me, yeah, you can have sex with my robot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, sure. Thanks. I wasn't well, that's the only <laughs> that's the only sex they're gonna get is with a female. <laughs> yeah. They don't yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the you know the interaction between Oscar Isaac's character and uh, Brendan Gleeson's son and fucking Ex Machina. The only you know the only fucking he's gonna get is with a female robot or whatever that is programmed by his boss to have a fucking uh, pleasure sensors <laughs> that he that he uses to honeypot him into seeing if she can escape his compound. Yeah. <laughs> From the comments, I want to see Conan's jacket. Okay, well it's in Hal Red for one thing. And then I also, for the bolo tie, I have my, uh, I'm going to solo this real quick, be indulgent here. I have the closest I could get to HAL 9000 for a bolo tie. For those so, who are new here, Conan's always uh, stunning <laughs> on every episode. So stay tuned for, for every those, for those Tuesday. Of you, those of you walking the those of you walking the Fashion Week uh, thing, Conan, Conan is wearing <laughs> HAL 9000 Splendid. red on his jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Resplendent in HAL 9000 red. Hey, uh, remember 2001, speaking of which. Uh, so I think the whole Hal character is interesting because, again, when I was younger and I watched this, like I was just, I was like, oh, wow, evil you mean, AI. You mean this Hal character? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then it was like, oh, no, he was just programmed to do this. Like, so he's like, I guess you could say, like, you know, just following orders is a pretty fraught term, as we all know. But, yeah. you know, but don't then blame he, me. Oh, the doors. <laughs> but you get to the point, you get to the point where when Dave's going through and powering him down, which you mentioned this force, like the whole, like, you know, Daisy Daisy, like song and whatnot, you get to see him, like, emotionally regress to be like, uh, you know, a machine child almost and like, and die. And at the point that like, you just watch this computer space, one of the dudes in this and, and like basically make this other, this other guy like risk uh, depressurization and, you know, for reasons not known to, to the viewer and you're made to feel empathy for this machine. That is, that is just be like, like regressed down to as if it was the day it was ostensibly born. And it's so effective because, again, this is a character that is literally uh, an eye, a red eye, which has to be one of the most iconic uh, android robot depictions in the history of cinema or, or mostly art. Everybody knows what that is, even if they've never seen 2001. It's like, oh, it's a 2001 song with a, also spoke Zarathustra. The monolith. We all know what they, oh, that's from 2001. Even people that don't, haven't seen the movie, it's culturally ubiquitous in that way. And or Kubrick manages. Forever after that. Terminator. Same Terminator. Thing. Yes, absolutely. Reused many times over in, in other material. And it's astounding that you like, you see how, you know, like as he's pulling out the, 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 the cards, right? And, and powering yeah. them down, you see him basically be killed. And, and you're made to feel empathy for it. And it's incredible for, for again, how much dialogue is in this? Not a lot. Not a lot, and it's it's an incredible achievement of filmmaking that I've seen people attempt to repeat, usually unsuccessfully. Thank you. But by the way, like, looking at how deep this kind of this, this, this movie and this kind of 
research shows. So in 1961, it was the IBM uh, 704 that the first thing that they got it to do was to right. sing the song Daisy Bell. And yeah. that's what they're actually referencing with Hal, that he basically is that first computer, um, you know, that, that's, that's singing this song, which is kind of like, damn, like, because they could have picked any, like, they could have picked a different song and it would still be uh, such a sad and, and kind of, um, like, no, almost there, there's a There's moment, a special significance to it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, in in the comments, what about uh, Solaris? I, the Tarkovsky movie. I personally don't care for Solaris that much. I think it's okay. I, I think it's visually beautiful, but Tarkovsky. The only thing I, I really love by Tarkovsky is uh, is uh, Stalker. Uh, so. I'll say I was able to feel empathy for Hal because uh, he was born in Urban Urbana, Illinois, and I lived there for four years. So <laughs> him and I share that. You, you and Hal are buddies. Urbana so. connection. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah I, I think that that it's it's um uh, you know I, this the Tarkovsky Solaris is fine I I didn't I forgot that they did a reboot of it why would you reboot Solaris why would you do that anyway I I think that the this is measured as like one of the great Kubrick films and for, I think for a lot of people like they don't necessarily great Kubrick film they don't necessarily know why. They just know that it is, right? Because a lot of people, like, maybe they've seen it or, like, whatever. Maybe they fell asleep during it. Okay, I get it. But I, I need to point out, yet again, because I brought it up earlier, how nice is that there's an intermission and that the intermission happens after you see that Hal was reading their lips. And then you get an intermission. So you get to get your Suspense. pee break, go get, a, go get a snack or whatever, and you're like, oh, man, what's going to happen? Crazy. Like, it's like almost like the old serials, right, where you'd be like, oh, how's it going to get out of this one? Uh, <laughs> And and having admissions, and, and it's such just, a it's such a uh, it's such a dramatic moment that it's, yeah. it's incredible. And, and having just watched a couple very long movies that I enjoyed that did not have an intermission, it was like, look, if Kubrick can do it, you can do it too. Okay? Yeah, <laughs> Christopher Nolan. I mean, I, I I have a bladder of steel. I didn't have to go to urinate once during Oppenheimer, and I saw that movie God knows how many times in the theaters. Killing Murphy's like, why did you see that movie more than once? <laughs> On the other side of the issue, I had to pee four times during Barbie, which was not a long film. What the? I was very hydrated that day. I mean, I, I I got the big like the big free refill Barbie. So now every time I go to the movie theater, I don't spend like twelve bucks for a drink anymore. I just get a free refill. So when the, when a special movie's released, guys, and you want to get you know a free refill, just buy the big cup. Like I think Wonka has one out now. There you go. We are not we are not sponsored by any of the things Christina um, has mentioned. By the way, just suggestions. But, but uh, I think no, the, the idea of breaking up the narrative, right? Break up, break up the narrative. Yeah, yeah, like, like that's an incredible moment to like not stop on, but to to break the story up because it really does. Like, well, you go blaze one outside or whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> you get you get to think about it and be like, wow, that's nuts. Especially if you've never seen it, I can't even imagine, cannot imagine seeing it in the theater without the cultural ubiquity of knowing it and just being like. Well, that's crazy. Like, what do you what do you talk about in the lobby? It's like, oh, well, I don't know. It's a crazy movie, <laughs> <Yeah>. huh? <laughs> What'd your hippie friends talk about, Jerry? <laughs> heavy, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we need to bring the intermission I just, back. I, imagined, I really do. Uh, yeah. And especially just the just thought. Imagine the people thoughtful. running out and chain smoking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, the, the thoughtfulness of it is it's uh, key storytelling in comic books where, where you know, you have yeah. like, you, you, you want to like end the page, like not, not really a cliffhanger, but something that makes you want to turn the page. Turn the and page. That, that intermission moment, it, you know, like, like a lot of times intermissions are like, like 
you, you have like the first act, it is done. You know, you, you feel satisfied. You're ready to go on to the second act. Boom, there's an intermission or, or the next part. Uh, Very common on Broadway. Uh, uh, Seven Samurai kind of does that a bit, you know. Like, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, not to say that there's not tension being built up in that, that film. Well, the, uh, for, for the, the original director's cut of Once Upon a Time in America had an intermission. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredible. And yeah. so did Scarface, by the way. Oh, the the which one the the Pacino one or the the, yes, the original real one? really does it yes, Pacino yeah. the Scarface yes I never saw it in the theater I think it was like five yeah so. 1984 <laughs> yeah <laughs> that wasn't yeah okay <laughs> sorry six we regret the error yeah uh, <laughs> they would not let me in to see Scarface you really anyway. needed to take a piss <laughs> an intermission in Scarface believe me <laughs> watching everybody snort on that blow yeah yeah it. exactly. <laughs> I, I need a I need a, a powder room break at the uh, at the, the first showing of Scarface. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th I think it's I, I there's so when Ravana revealed that she watched it on a cracked phone, uh, <laughs> uh, much to the amusement of people in the chat, uh, it was reminded that there was a you know there's there's IMAX and seventy millimeter screenings of this, which which I was lucky enough to see. Uh, I think the third time that I saw it, and it really is incredible. Like when you think like the colors and like the 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 the, the effects again that really haven't aged in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it, it is pretty astounding uh, to see to see it in in that fashion capacity. Not that of course it isn't the same thing to watch a, a cracked iPhone. <laughs> it's like all the Oppenheimer jokes. I lo I love the I love the new meme now. It's like we're watching this film on this like device the way this director wanted us to do it oh, oh yeah on my lg fridge <laughs> the way it was intended to be seen i first heard ross from rigs of dad who was on the wally episode last last week uh, mentioned that like not only that on the bus with no headphones <laughs> audio played was 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 his, his, his take on that which i was out loud. <laughs> Open the bot bay doors, Hal. <laughs> I apologize for this, but I have to announce that I must go. I must exit. I'm sorry about that. No, that's that's Jerry. It's it's, it's such a pleasure to have you. Uh, do you have any? Uh, do you have any final thoughts that we didn't get to about 2001: Space Odyssey? No, no, no. I um, I'm sure it'll someday just be a. Uh, a fast food chain. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had 2001, the burger? Yeah. Mm. It's right. a culinary odyssey. Yeah, a burger odyssey. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But it was you great talking to all of you. It was great meeting you guys. And uh, hey. I, I, I'll be talking to you soon. So, yeah. Duty uh, now. We'll, we'll talk about future. that in the, in the plugs. But it's so great to have you. Thanks so much for coming on. There's a... Chat. Thanks, Jerry, for risking my mind for the singing ship of horrors. They expect us to call society. Your art ignites my soul with purpose. I'll fight on as long as my body holds out. Duty now. There he goes, everybody. Jerry Casali. That's what a what a cool guy. That's yep. a that's a. I don't know why this happening with Forrest right now. I'm opening the pod bay doors, and he's not. He's not <laughs> His Wi-Fi is messing up. Uh, yeah, there's a the there's a. There is also a new uh, Jerry Casale uh, music video. We'll, we'll we'll put that in the comments. This is a it's a lounge version of I'm gonna pay you back, which off of the great AP that came out last year. So I'm gonna put that in the uh, in, in the chat, and we'll put that in the comments mm -hmm. as well. 
exciting. And it's got uh, Steve Bartok uh, from Boingo Boingo and uh, Josh Fries, uh, who's now in the Foo Fighters, but also from Devo. And like oh. 17, 18 other bands. <laughs> nice. What are those guys? Yep. So what do we think? Is this the quintessential Kubrick film? I, I mean, think it is. Hard to argue against. Frankly. I mean, like I this mean, or The Shining. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, but The Shining and Lolita. I'm like, Lolita, nah. I know some people in chat were like, I love Lolita. I'm like, as someone who read the novel, I'm like, I like a little bit more controversy. I felt, I know Kubrick uh, did say that he really wished that he could have gotten away with more of that material, but he just couldn't with, with all the, uh, with the Hays Code. And, you know, if, if he had made it like 10 years later, I think he probably would have gotten away with it more with the studio system collapsing by then. Which makes perfect sense for you know how two thousand one came out because it was you know nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and again, I think Doctor Strangelove is another one that's quintessentially yeah. There, there's a shout out for Doctor Strangelove in, in the chat. I mean, yeah. like, well, the nice thing is it depends on your on your taste, right? It depends on your taste and your sensibilities. You know, mm -hmm. I know people that like Barry Lyndon is the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but AI will never be the quintessential. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a mid film if, if you've not seen it but but uh it's it's not there's terrible. a reason why i didn't qualify in ai month let's put it that way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but i mean just just so for those of you who haven't seen it it's not terrible it's just not great full metal jacket's great too yes uh, i mean i got i got, a, I got a quick funny story about full metal jacket my uncle wanted to join the marines and my dad was like you're not gonna be able to handle it michael and he's like i can do it and so when he did they went his going away party and they all decided to watch full metal jacket and after that, my uncle was like, You're not going to yeah, be I'm able to handle it, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this. Nope. It's a, I, 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 don't know, I don't know why I imagined it in the HAL 9000 voice, but you're not <laughs> going to be able to handle that, Michael. <laughs> uh, I had a uh, hard time whenever I first watched it as a kid because I saw it when I was five. And I was very confused why the person in the red spacesuit lived while the person in the yellow spacesuit died because in Star Trek, it's always the other way around. <laughs> Jander world, everybody. There yes, uh, I, I think it's. I had something to say. It's gone. It's gone. Never mind. Uh, My work here is done. Yeah, it took us off topic again. again. Congratulations. I think that it's notable that there are so many, like that there are. There isn't like just a one favorite, right? For for Kubrick, like it, it's there. There's yeah. people have different ones that they that they kind of stick with more. I mean, this is it for me. This is like I love all of his movies, but this is there's. Again, nothing quite like this, and often imitated, and rarely well. The most <laughs> reference—I mean, I think that and The Shining are probably the most referenced films of like his, especially considering his specific adaptation of The Shining. Right. What's insane, though, is they actually spent a, a season of *Eek the Cat* where they kept working in scenes from *A Clockwork Orange*, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is like one of the most batshit concepts, you know, to say out loud. Letterboxd, of course, is a place for film lovers to talk at with and to each other about the movies they love, the movies that they didn't love, uh, the movies that they fell asleep during, the movies that they had religious experiences during. Uh, all those... high too. I, <laughs> yes, I hear that happens. Uh, and all this is best expressed uh, succinctly. This is something where everybody gets to uh, have their say, everyone gets to chime in. It's a bottom-up democracy, not just Siskel's and Ebert's of the world. Everybody gets to have their say. And of course, all of that is best expressed very succinctly. You got to keep it succinct. Uh, and uh, 
that is what we do in this show, which is Letterbox One-Liners. These are the Letterbox One-Liners for 2001, A Space Odyssey. Let's go. Don't ask me what happened. I just know it looked cool. <laughs> it does look, to be fair, it does look cool. And they Ew. liked it and gave it four and a half stars. So there, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, hard to argue with that. <laughs> I feel like it's a five-star movie, but, uh, you know. You, you, you want to go comment on Cool Lady part. Sarah? She, wait, by the way, she should know it's cool. Her username is Cool Lady Sarah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. She's Arbor tapped cool. in to what is and is not cool. Exactly. There you go. Mm-hmm. By her name, yes. <laughs> what, you think you're uh, Cool Lady Sarah or something? You can uh, <laughs> you can guess which movies are cool and what aren't? Nah, get the fuck out of here. So people in the 60s thought that 2001 would be the peak of human intelligence and space travel. But all we got was low waist jeans and Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Belly hey. Shirts. that Shrek was an yeah, innovative uh, film that was formative to my childhood. All right, Shrek all right. 2, though, that slaps. Shrek 2 is better than Shrek 1. Save I it for your Shrek that. blog. We can right. read this. My bad. I like when, uh, I like, <laughs> I like when Hal 9000 told him, get, get out of me, swamp. Right. Get out of my swamp. <laughs> 2001 was not like that. That's, that's yeah. what makes that funny. All right. It's like Star Wars with all that reading at the start. <laughs> a lot less reading than Star Wars. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, If your metric is, how much do you have to read in this movie? Then, uh, yeah. I mean, you can read the screens if you want to, but it is not required reading. No, no. It's not in the syllabus at all. <laughs> All right, it's oh, it's shouldn't have smoked that shit. Now I'm an astral baby. <laughs> did uh, did Jerry do this review? <laughs> no, right? <laughs> I, I think that's amazing. How amazing must have been to uh, first of all see in the theater when it came out. Secondly, be on hash. Is that what he said? Yes. Yes. <laughs> like that's that's sounds incredible. Sounds incredible. I don't know what's happening. Okay. The amount of people speed running joins their intermission. That's what cinema is all about. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I mean, the, yeah, that's what you that's what you get the fucking intermission for, right? Like Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's apparently that's what they used to be for. Yeah, and how many people do, do the fist pump that uh you see the uh Dave do? I don't know. People are asking this more and more though. Mm. All right. A monkey gets so excited with his bone that an astronaut with a shitty computer turns into an adult baby. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? (laughs) Nothing about that is inaccurate. That's what I got to say. Nothing about that is inaccurate. That's a (laughs) well done. Wow. I hope I never have to use a zero gravity toilet. Boy, you and me both took up. God, so much oh. reading. You know, speaking of required reading, it said, you know, you have to read before you use it. And it's like 10 steps, and it's like, I'm already out, man. I'm just yeah. going to, yeah. Seems, seems exhausting to me, frankly, and not relieving at all. My favorite star child is still Paul Stanley. Mm. <laughs> That's right. That one's for the kiss. I was, I was actually hoping Jerry would hang out long enough to do that one. I thought he might get He was the fan of the opera at one point. Paul Stanley. He, oh yeah, like, they they have a uh, there was a whole um, well there was a kiss. What was the thing they did? Uh, Tales Tales from the Elder. Yeah. Um, they, they, there's a lot of uh, 
Well, there's a Kiss Meets Phantom of the Park, too, but that's a different thing. Yeah. yeah. I, th- that was a TV movie, if I remember correctly. Thank you. Anyway, moving on. Me and my friends would have would have killed HAL 9000 with hammers. I can tell you that. Much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love that. Love that. <laughs> but not a thigh bone. Yeah, no, not a thigh bone. No, no. Hammers, yes. They really missed the opportunity right there. Well, you can always comment on uh, Colby James's. Um, I'm going to fix your joke for you. Uh, what are you, a dude with a female comedian? Thank you. <laughs> 11. Y'all make fun of Alexa now, but she's bound to snap one of these days. Oh, yeah. she's. I've heard stories of Alexa snapping like. <sighs> anyway, those are the letterbox one liners for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Please, please, please follow the show. We have an HQ account uh, at Movie Night Extra on Letterboxd that we uh, cover all the films that we that we do here. And uh, you can read all about it and get all the awesome extra content and stuff that we generate with that. Um, I, apparently, uh, the Forrest is already outside the pod bay doors, but you can find him at Always Flocko, uh, and, and he will be back shortly. I am open the pod bay doors, please, Forrest. Ironic, considering what just happened. Uh, at Coda Neutron. <laughs> You can find me on Letterbox Log and all the stuff, highbrow, midbrow, uh, as well as Populous Fair. Follow me along for the 2024 Criterion Challenge, uh, as well as I- I'm actually going to participate in the Film School Dropouts one as well. So if you guys want to follow mm-hmm. along with that, do your own. Um, it's a, it's a good time. It's a it's a, it's a for a specific kind of nerd, and I am that nerd. Jay Andrew, Space Cowboy World. Oh, I have to do like some hitchhiking business to get over to you. How is this go, Pilot? Uh, that explains so much. Uh, he's watching all the weirdest stuff so you don't have to. Uh, at right about now too on Letterboxd. Uh, follow along for all his many journeys that are deeply inscrutable and um, uh, and detail laden. Uh, Twenty twenty three a Barbie Odyssey mm-hmm. at Cosmopolitics. Uh, Christina, she's actually still at um Christina. She's logging stuff now and again. I think maybe mm-hmm. we'll see that uh, tick back up during Oscar season. I think maybe. Yeah, know, just see. in Maestro. People seem to like my review. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Ravana is a monolith enjoyer, but I don't believe you have a letterbox account. Right? I literally right? just made it when you started letterbox one liner. Oh, do you really? Oh, you know what? I think I have it linked somewhere, but it's I, I assume it's just your, your regular. Uh, it's just there. Ravana. It's yes. just Ravana. Yeah, I literally made it like two minutes ago for the bit i didn't want to have you come around the horn <laughs> to me and once again say ravana doesn't have a letterbox to well go. you well sam here also doesn't have a letterbox so like there you go you're in good company uh well you have your first follower because i just followed you everyone else can follow thank ravana you as well <laughs> and uh yeah absolutely so hey uh jay andrew space cowboy world how is your co-pilot but does he write your plugs because it's time to do the plugs Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, he did write my plugs. Uh, first up is YouTube. Uh, if you're watching us right now on YouTube, please do the YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And of course, the big ask is to watch the video to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, that allows other movie fans to find our content. But that also allows you to hear that great Conan Neutron song, which um, this is the last time we're playing it. For a while. I mean, it's not going away for yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. But we, no, we, no. Got, we got the adventure theme for uh, next month, which we're going to yeah, get yeah. into. Mm-hmm. Your month's new theme. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We're, we're going to get into that in, uh, uh, in the after party, explaining what's going to be going on next month. So, Yes. Excited. Um, and, of course, if you're over on Twitch, please do the Twitch things. Um, throw us a sub. If you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free. doesn't cost you a penny, but actually helps out the show. So if you all can do that, please, uh, please do that. Um, you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky. 
uh, and I think uh, Threads. We're on Threads, right? Yes, we are. Yes, yeah. Threads. That's the other one, um, which I need to write down. Uh, so, because there's a lot. There's too many. Yeah. Yeah. We're on, we're on all of them, though. Much to my eternal chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, if if one of those happens to be your your uh, social media of choice, you know, find us there and uh, follow us and say hi, and uh, we'll say hi back. Exactly. Yes. We um. Yeah, and if you want to support the show, we have a Patreon. Um, you can directly support the show that way. Uh, one of the things you get is access to our after parties, which, um, you know, I got to say, we got a great back catalog, and we're doing an after party tonight, right? We are indeed. Yes. That's uh, so, so, you know, uh, you know, even though those are free, you know, we're, we're like drug dealers. We give it away for free, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, right now, live. Taste. And, and then, like, you got to pay to get the, the, the back catalog. So not only are we going to reveal the movies are doing next month for the return of adventure month. We're also going to do a uh, Oscar nomination special uh, later in the month when that gets announced. So if you're, uh, if that's of interest to you, that's, that's going to be something you know, I'm you excited. have to be a patron to, to check that out. So Give our thoughts. And, and you can, if you're a patron, you can go back and check out our coverage from last year and be like, right. Oh, what did these clowns do? Oh, Hey, well, these guys were on it. Mm hmm. And of course, Conan, you have uh you got Protonic Reversal. What a pitch. Yeah. I, yes, I do. <laughs> Protonic Reversal, yes. Yeah. Uh, Jerry v, uh, Gerald uh, Casali is coming on uh, a Protonic Reversal in uh, two weeks, actually, uh, which he's been on a few times, and it's always a pleasure. So if you really want to get into Jerry's music, which he has a, a new single out, uh, the lounge version of Pay You Back, just did like a whole bunch of world tour stuff with, with Devo. Uh, if you're remotely of, of interest, uh, for any of those things, then you should definitely check out Protonic Reversal coming up. I'll do Scott McDonald from Arc Boulder coming up, and um, actually Steve Bartek of Oingo Bungo coming up as well too. So we got we got a packed January coming up. Nice. And, and of course, if you want to support Protonic Reversal, you can go to the, uh, the Patreon, um, yep. which is just a dollar a month, and you get access to the episodes early. One dollar, <laughs> just one dollar a month. A dollar, a dollar. Yeah. And if you want to support uh, more ways to support Conan Neutron, you can go to neutronfriends.bandcamp.com for his band, Conan Neutron and Secret Friends, um, and all their music. Yeah, it isn't just supporting me. It's actually a good band, too. I mean, like, yeah, very, you, good. You, you very good. You. See, Ray knows. She's yes. seen us play. They oh. were fantastic. I love it. I haven't. I know. Right? We've, uh, we'll, we'll fix that at some point. <laughs> we, we've come about a state away from you a couple times, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Adult Prom is the split with Lung is the most recent one. Uh, plenty of cool stuff in the hopper. Plenty to talk about that I can't talk about yet, but stay tuned. There's going to be some announcements in the next few weeks. So. And, and it being the holiday season too, you can uh, go to, uh, you can buy everything. Just digitally download it all for a really fair price, I think. Uh, I don't remember what it is, but it's a good price. I don't either, but there's a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of music and it's a good price. Right. Um, there you have Most it. importantly, I get the money. There we go. Uncle That's Alligator. right, your nice. old friend uh, Uncle Alligator here. Welcome back, buddy. You know what I love better than money? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Also a good picture being Greenland, but anyway, money mostly. <laughs> Exactly. There you go. And Christina is over on Twitch. She can mm -hmm. find the, you know, all of her great insights. Um, was there anything you had planning coming up? 
Well, for well, every year on Christmas Eve, we watch Ernest Saves Christmas because it's the best Christmas movie ever. I will not debate anyone on that. And we're now that we're in that weird time between Christmas and New Year's where we don't know what day or I'm, I'm assuming it's the year 2525. I could be wrong, but uh, we're gonna be doing like our year in review where we slowly but surely like go over the stuff that's happened the year, like you know, Titanic, submersible implosions, yeah. movies, music politics it's gonna be fun these next few days and also too i'm gonna have a new year's eve stream so Ooh. we're gonna party oh. like it's 2023 <laughs> which is the, the current date so that's good yeah, yeah. yes that's good. No, no partying in the future like prince did no. but you know I, if you're on that cocaine i thought that if no joke i thought that song came out in 1999 and not in 1984 that would have really limited the shelf life. If, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, no, no, he was smart with it. Novelty song. I mean, he was smart with it. You know, get that that fifteen years before. You know, it has that right, right. Made. Lay the groundwork. All my favorite albums. All my favorite <laughs> albums are turning twenty five this this like coming week, and I'm like, oh my god. She Becky. really is partying like it's 1999. <laughs> yeah. There you have it, people. <laughs> And of course, um, uh, you can support Christina over on uh, uh, Patreon as well. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, patreon.com slash cosmopolitics. There you go. There we go. go. Yes. Okay. And Ravana's over there. Um, hosts have taken the L and, uh, you know, some, a lot of times on TYT doing yeah. TYT things. Enjoying like those monoliths is what she's doing. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. That's a little, not for your OnlyFans? <laughs> good one only good monoliths, one. Yes. <laughs> only monoliths. <laughs> anyway we do have fun here but yes follow her on the on the things because she's all over that business all of the things twitch twitter uh now letterboxd uh, yeah. <laughs> couldn't be left out again so mm -hmm. so yeah follow me on that app as well <laughs> I will not be posting regularly, but <laughs> I'm really selling it. So <laughs> Great, you know? keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> I will be honest. I don't have so much time to dedicate to movies right now because I'm halfway through my rewatch of one piece, uh, which is an odyssey of its mm. own uh, with over a thousand episodes. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've really got to lock yeah, in to get through that. <laughs> Are you watching the live action one when that comes out or is that already out? I, I haven't it. seen it. It is out. I haven't seen okay. it. I heard it was good, but um, it just doesn't fire. line up with where I am in the show. So yeah. I, I'm just going to wait till I finish getting through the show and then I'll, I'll go back and I'll watch the, the live action. Okay. Wow. It started in 1999, huh? Yes. Yeah. I used to watch it on TV when I was a kid. And so now it's funny to like, I, it's still going on. The show has not yeah. ended yet. So. And, and if you know anything about how the comics are published, um, it's still like the number one comic in Japan. Uh, yep. it, they have to vote on these things every month. Um, yeah. so, so that's how they know it. And if you go to like the comic shops, you can have like statues of One Piece there. It's it's wild. It is um, huge. And like like nobody knows about it in the States. It is, but it's, it's a, it like genuinely, I, I jest that it's an odyssey, but like it, it is a very intelligently created, uh, you know, show the Oda, the creator of it is a fucking genius. And like, what I, happened, what follow me Japan on Twitch. I talk about it at length, how much I, I love the show. So if I want to rewatch Peaky Blinders. 
What happens if uh, Japan misses a month on their on their monthly, uh, you know, voting for the comic of the year? Do they like does like Japanese society just fall apart? Yeah, Godzilla <laughs> rises. That's why. Why do you think <laughs> you want Godzillas? Because this is how we get Godzillas. Shinzo Abe yeah. happened because they didn't vote that much. <laughs> was, am I right? It was a combination of that, and that's when the guy realized that the Moonies had killed his mom. Right. He's like, oh my <laughs> god, now that I have all this extra time, the number one anime I my mom, she's been dead for 10 years because of the fucking Moonies. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right, come on, let's move it along. Ravana, did, did we do Jerry's already? Yeah. Uh, no, we have not. Let's, let's do Jerry's plugs because we really appreciate having him back. It is his third time on the yes. show. Mm -hmm. He was on yes. Spinal Tap, of course, and uh, yep. Don't Look Up with the other one. Yes. So I think the first time he was on, Andy had a uh, really bad internet connect, if I remember correctly. No, the first Just time he had bad on. internet connection. Second time I had bad internet connection. Correction. That makes it funnier, to be honest. Like, yeah, yeah. Apparently it's... Like, every time Jerry's on, somebody has... like it's uh, Somebody's it's internet like, connection devolves somehow. <laughs> like uh, yours, of course. <laughs> Yeah, someone, someone's gonna. I'm saying this time I have this time I have the one with the, with the internet problems. And I thought it would be me. So anyway, Jerry's plugs. Can we? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have oh, those or no? Shoot, no, I don't. I I forgot to write those. Jesus Christ. Okay. So uh, yeah, pay you back. Uh, lounge version. Devo's Jared, Gerald V. Casali. Uh, you can. There's all over the Devo YouTube's as well as anywhere you would get Devo music. You can also follow Jerry specifically, not just Devo, on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, and uh, on X. I guess we're need, we're supposed to call it now, right? No. And uh, he, <laughs> he, he's on all time to dead name something as X. He's he's on all those. Look, I'm doing your fucking bit for you, dude. Can you shut the fuck and up? I'm doing your bit. <laughs> I did it pretty well last time, right? And Andy fucking Andy purposely did this so that he could heckle you this time. Yeah, yeah before well, the end of the year, this is his last chance to heckle you. I guess I gave him a late Christmas present. Anyway, uh, so yeah, please follow uh, Jerry on all the things. He's uh, fantastic. Lots of new music coming from uh, Jerry Caselli as well, as well as his appearance on Proton Conversal uh, coming up, which should be good. Yeah. I also like the idea that uh, Devo's fucking like, all right, this is our last tour. Like, you know, we're, we're ending this soon. And then they're like, here's a bunch of new music, which I guess is what you do. <laughs> Well, it's 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 Jerry's music. It isn't it isn't Devo yeah. music, which there is a distinction for because there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that are love Devo and aware of Devo, but are not aware that uh, there's stuff in Jerry's name. Invisible Man EP is, is one of them, and uh, it's good. I mean, if you like Devo, you're gonna like it. That, that's all I'm gonna say. And there's some great videos for it. There's a great uh, 4D video for uh, the this lounge version of Pay You Back. That's like pretty wild. There's a whole VR element. It's a whole thing. Always future forward. Those Devo guys. Yeah, when he when he was yelling about uh right wing incels, which was hilarious, I was thinking like that's like kind of de evolution, right? Like this like society is devolving into that. Like <laughs> anyway, final thoughts, guys. Oh uh, wait, I wanted to play the uh, last time I jumped fight. in, Andy just tried to take my role, so I'm, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> this, this is this is the uh, this is the Arthur C. Clarke clip that everybody plays, where he's uh talking about AI and warning. And this is, this is a good clip to end, uh, you know, our AI month watch with, I guess. Oh, sure. Yeah. Was it for you uh, a pleasing experience? Did, did the movie portray the world that you had seen when you wrote the book? Well, it was a, an overwhelming experience because uh, although I had seen 
most of the rushes at various times over the previous couple of years, this was the first time I saw the complete thing, and with the sound, which is a very important element, and it was a, a shattering experience, but at the same time a wonderful one. I've now seen it eight times, and each time I like it more. Is this a movie that uh, is solidly based on scientific fact? I mean, is it, can, can you uh, make a strong case for what you see in the movie? As oh, yes, scientific basis? absolutely. I'm prepared uh, to uh, argue for all the hardware to look something like this, the spacecraft, the spacesuits, the space stations, all these things which are shown in great detail are very firmly based on today's technology, extrapolated uh, three decades into the future. Mr. Clark, in your book, Profiles of the Future, at the back of it, you have a graph or chart indicating the future, and you have set out a timetable as to what uh, the future holds in the way of scientific development as you see it. Ballsy move, by the way. You never want to do that. You never want to put manufacturing, on there. Biology, chemistry, and physics, and so on. Uh, and in the year 2001, you, uh, for example, have said that we'll be colonizing planets. This is, I think, likely. We certainly be starting the colonization of the moon uh, quite early in, this in the next century, possibly even in this century. We didn't I, do any of that. 1980, <laughs> we'll be establishing the first bases on the moon, rather like those in the Antarctic. But later we'll try and make them self-contained and self-sufficient, growing their own food locally, providing oxygen and, and water from local lunar resources. And then, maybe around the turn of the century, we'll be doing the same thing on at least Mars and perhaps some of the other planets or satellites of the planets. Living a, an encapsulated life. Uh, first of all, we will have to live in fairly restricted quarters. Later in perhaps uh, cities under geodesic domes, like the like the one that uh, Professor Fuller built at Expo uh, recently, but perhaps even miles across eventually. So looking ahead to some of these things, which certainly will occur in the lifetime of most people watching this interview, uh, you've indicated the uh, possibility of artificial intelligence by the year 2000. What do you mean by that? Yes, well, this, in fact, is something which uh, we have in the movie, this uh, computer, Hal, who uh, takes over the uh, operation. Many computer scientists think that we will develop, before the end of the century, machines which are intelligent by any way you care to define that word. In fact, there are some computers now that can carry on conversations with you over an electric typewriter, and people just will not believe they are talking to a machine, even though the, the present the conversation is, is limited to rather restricted areas. But uh, many scientists think that in the next century, we will have machines which are more intelligent than us. And of course, this may be one of the great divides in history. Yeah, that moon stuff didn't happen, but the AI stuff is uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> I mean, he was trying to sell books, you know, yeah. like if, if he was like, oh, this is coming, this is coming way down the road. I feel like people would have been like, uh, all right, but it's ballsy. It's fucking ballsy as fuck to like put a timeline on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this is, this is going to, because like, that's how uh, Nostradamus, I feel like, got away with all his predictions. Oh, all the doomsday. You know, yeah. No, uh, no timeline. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, this is just some stuff that's going to happen in the future. And wherever similar stuff happens, you could be like, Wow, Nostradamus See? predicted this. <laughs> yeah. And whatever See? stuff that he didn't predict happened, you're like, well, that could still happen. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not gonna, does it? <laughs> so is what you know. All right, so wrapping this yeah. up or what? What's happening? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ravana, you got some final, some final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, I thought it was a fantastic film. 
Uh, I really enjoyed the emotions that it invokes through the images and the uh, choice in music uh, and the lack of dialogue, I think gives you a lot of time to sit and absorb the movie that uh, you don't, it's a luxury that you don't get with a lot of films and it adds such an important element to it. Uh, my recommendation to everyone though, if you haven't yet, try to watch the film on a, a phone with a broken screen. It really just changes the dynamic and contributes an important factor to your viewing experience. Water damage too, so that you have nice green lines going across the top and bottom of the screen that sort of impedes your vision. Fantastic. I mean, what, what could be better than that? Christina? <laughs> Hal did nothing wrong. <laughs> I mean, like, definitionally, he didn't, like... <laughs> but yeah, quintessential they, they Kubrick film. They, did, they didn't tell him... They should have told him at least keep one guy alive to experience whatever it is. Like, they forgot to mention that in his directive. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Conan? Oh, you're, you're me. Okay. Uh, cinematic achievement, almost more imposing, influential than the monoliths within... It's the high watermark to which space epic should be measured against and one of the finest examples of dreaming about humanity's path. I have to say that I think it is the most influential science fiction film of all times and uh, apparently a rite of passage for various types of conscious altering substances for multiple generations. <laughs> yeah, this precise cinematic perfection, regimented and controlled, and it's considered very best for a number of reasons. I said it before, I'll say it again, visual effects from 55 years ago still look unique and interesting and emerge without distraction. Mm -hmm. and, and they do so with a world wordless abstraction endlessly eye dazzling color and a classical music score that seems as inexorable as it is perfect contrasted with as we've aforementioned uh long dialogueless sections how 9000 has to be one of the most compelling figures in the semantic history as well and it's still a strange cautionary tale in the modern world of artificial intelligence and as mentioned the fact that we feel empathy for an ai as its conscious slowly slips away after everything it did is kind of astounding and uh, great filmmaking. Uh, one of my favorites of all time. All right, Andy, this is a gift to you. Don't don't take us off topic. All right, I'll try not to, but but bear with me here. Um when, when oh I God. first <laughs> <laughs> when we first had Jerry on here, I, I thought to myself, this is like the old joke about the country song. What happens when you play a country song backwards? You get your woman back, you get your dog back, you get your pickup truck back, and you get a six pack of beer. Um what happens when you play uh, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey backwards? You get a Devo album. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, uh, but but uh, no, this is uh, this is absolutely wild movie to watch. Um, the 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 colors, the 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 thoughtfulness that that goes into slowly as you know ratcheting things up to get to the point where you're just showing colors on the screen and you're sitting there just staring at it, even if you're not on drugs. Um, just like really, you know, taking it all in, uh, because it really is just a feast for your eyes. Um, I, I was really happy because I actually watched it on my HD TV, which, uh, I've not seen it in HD before. And, uh, it looked way better than my shitty CRT TV. Uh, you know, that last time I watched it, you should uh, see on it on TV. a cracked iPhone. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, I, man, I'm, uh, I got that. I got that cracked iPhone to watch 2001. <laughs> you, you want some? <laughs> 
but but I know that's what I'm looking forward to next is seeing it on the cracked iPhone. Right, right. <laughs> as the director With intended. Water damage. Yeah, yeah. Director intended. I was, um, I was looking at uh, old old like Facebook memories the other day, and there was a thing where I was where we were talking about aliens. And I was like, yeah, well, fuck you, James Cameron. I watched this shit on an iPhone. And that was <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're brand consistent on this shit. Yes. <laughs> um, but but uh, speaking of brand consistent, I did want to actually bring it back to the uh, Ad Astra episode, which did not have Conan. Um, and we, we went through the uh, history of uh, sci-fi movies, and we kind of used this film as a benchmark for that. So so uh, throughout the history of the show, we, we've constantly, you know, used this as the bar. And it's finally nice to actually talk about it so we can understand why we set this as a bar in so many uh, past episodes. True, true. All right. Well, we're going to do an after party. And I think my Internet issues are fixed. So, yeah, it's excited about better. that. Speaking of bars, <laughs> now that the A-list guest is gone, your internet is your face. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the, most of the, <laughs> the other A-list uh, guest. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, your A-list we'll... in my heart, Ravana. Trust me. Oh, yes. <laughs> we'll see you over there. <laughs>